This episode of the Lost King Podcast is brought to you by Black Exploitation. Cause we got the streets, sucker! This is the Last King Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Toffee, and I'm joined here with my co-host, Shafiq. So, Mr. Toffee, guess what dropped quite recently? Mm, something from EA, I guess? Do you like war games? Well, <laughs> war never changes, so I guess so, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a different game, war never changes. <laughs> it is, it is. But yeah. yes, I'm going to be talking about Battlefield 1, okay? The... Oh, that's awesome. I've heard quite a bit about it. Like, there's, It's actually going back to like... Not just World War Two, but World War One, the very first, the OG of all of wars, the one where that Franz Ferdinand guy got killed, and then that whole thing started. The Archduke died. Franz Ferdinand, Red Baron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, correct, correct. I am the last guy you have to ask about uh, war history or history in general, because frankly, I slept through most of history class. Oh, well, that's the I thing was about a history. It's like really cool, like all these mm. really cool stories you see in fantasy. All that they're all allegories of war that has happened in real life you know, yeah, and the thing times. is uh, Battlefield 1 does that it's not just one campaign it's a campaign that's been split into six war stories and each story pretty much uh, you play the role of a different protagonist in each one and I would say this right okay going right off the bat Battlefield 1's campaign a bit scant okay like it's short sh- scant or I beat the game twice in about six hours on normal and hard mm. And, okay, I'll just say this, right? Uh, they're not really campaigns, more like each war story acts as a tutorial. So in one story, you'll be playing uh, the role of the pilot, and it's mostly just you flying around in biplanes. Another one is where you'll be uh, in charge of a tank, and then there's another one where pretty much... Uh, I mean, it's teaching you the various aspects of uh, the combat mechanics in Battlefield through the eyes of uh, different protagonists. But at the same time, just showing the injustice of war and what people do in this time, in this trying time. I would even say there was any injustice. It's basically like... Here are the stories of six regular schlubs, you know, in, in, in the grand opera of this uh, World War One theater. And basically, like, you know, the roles they play, like, these are just guys, you know, normal guys, just like you and me. And that's how they try to play it out, is like, the music, the way it's set up, okay, the characters and the supporting characters, they make it all out to be that, okay, you're just this regular guy. And even a regular guy can somehow be a hero or play a part or be significant in the grand scheme of things. Which I kind of like and I think they pull it off really well, especially with the cutscenes and the musical cues. It gets a bit hammy, you know. I mean like, you... It's just... still supposed to be like a drama of sorts, right? Yeah, you know, I guess so. I mean... That's all the shooting, you gotta have some in, in emotional impact. I would say it. each war story plays out like a really good episode of Band of Brothers or something of that ilk. So I mean like... I mean... Like the interactive version of it. Kinda. I mean, like, you know, uh, I'll just say, like, one of my favorite stories, right? And uh, it's, I think, the sixth war story. 
is you play this Bedouin warrior lady horse riding stealth evil ninja girl okay and this <laughs> this takes place within the the realm of uh, Lawrence of Arabia back in the uh, I think in the Arabian war with the Ottoman Empire and it's pretty cool I mean I mean like I would just have to say this right right off the bat like, this is like hands down some of the best Metal Gear Solid 5 homage <laughs> oh, I've ever seen because you're literally like go like the first part of this campaign is you have to take out uh, these various outposts right so you're there on your horse and you're riding through the desert going to each outpost and you can you can go guns a blazing that's what I like about games like this is it's like they allow you to play any way you want but the smart thing to do stealth your way through take out them snipers take out the people standing too close to the tanks too, next to the heavy artillery artillery sorry before you take out the commander so it's like the yeah, this feels very familiar <laughs> all of a sudden. Yeah, this actually, like, okay, I, something tells me that this is, like, your most favorite among all the six stories, is it? Yeah, because it's the one that stands out the most because, um, basically, it's the one that doesn't feel like a tutorial. Mm. Whereas, like, okay, the very first mission, you play, oh, I can't remember the guy's name, but you're the black guy on the cover. Okay. <laughs> the one with the kick-ass axe. Actually, not really. If I, uh, to be really honest, the very first war story, you play every possible person. You die, you play another person, then you die. That's, that's how it goes. I mean, it's, it's, it's set piece after set piece, and it's just one giant tutorial. And in the end, you are this, I can't remember his name, uh... But yeah, you're the you're the dude on the cover. Okay, yeah, dude on cover. You're That's the dude gonna be his official cover. name for the podcast right I now. Mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> but but still, I mean, then you have the tank mission, which is you know, oh, now we're British, and then you, you're doing the mission in Gallipoli. Okay, now you're Australian, you know. <laughs> and I like that. I like I like the way that it gives everyone some shine. It's like is the war the war is not about one person or one particular country. It's it's a global effort. It's always gonna be more than one person for some of these parts, right? So I guess so and I think it's also very good in how it leads to how you at you attack a multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Because then you start to realize okay you're not a hero. You're just a small cog in a giant machine of all this you know chaotic insanity. And it's basically every story is just saying do your part. You know, and like, don't die. <laughs> this, is, this is, you know, like this is something like that's very different from what Call of Duty has been doing. Yeah. Granted, in the fifth game, Call of Duty f- Five, they did try to tell a story about the World War Two with the what's that? Um, especially there's this one mission where you're actually in the one of the bombers and you're trying to save uh, Pearl Harbor or some of the other con- some of the other areas from the Call Japanese. of Duty. Oh, is the World at War one? World right? at War one. Yeah, they yeah, actually yeah, had yeah, different yeah. characters, different stories. But yeah. I think it's only two, three. This one's more like six, and from what you're saying right now, it just feels like it's just telling not just one man's story. Nah, it's Personally, multiple. it's more yeah. like the biggest picture, the biggest. It spans scheme. multiple arcs. But okay, when I do, when I say it's scant, and I'm being really honest here, it's gameplay wise, it's scant. Not just that. Each war story is roughly three to five chapters, mm. and okay. each chapter is basically just one mission, which you're you're thrown right into it straight away. And if you know what you're doing, you can clear it pretty fast. Now I beat the campaign in about wow three four hours, mm. and then like I me being the the challenge head, I would I did it again on hard mode. They did ramp up the difficulty a bit, but not to the point where it was really a challenge I mean if you're a veteran of games like this pun intended like you really think you just breeze through the campaign I mean like I think it's designed more for the new people or it's something to like you know entice the the, the next bunch of people like 
granted, Battlefield's multiplayer can be very overwhelming, and I would think that people who jump onto this genre, I mean not just the game, but the genre of the military shooter, right, they would probably want to try out the campaign mode to get a feel for the guns, to get a feel for the situation. I think that's what I felt that was lacking in part 3 and part 4. Was yeah, it, yeah. I don't think it was given directly compared to Battlefield 1, from what you're saying. Yeah. yeah I mean, sometimes... A battlefield, as fun as it is, 94, when I played 942, the, the only reason <laughs> I knew how to play it because I had like, a couple of friends who know their shit basically when they got uh, in. So I just learned how to use the tank, I learned how to use the plane. And so I, I mean, but I'll always be the guy who was just camping at the anti-air artillery side, shooting fools along the way. So I mean, Easiest job ever, actually. You felt that you would be much more uh, useful as like a support character. Yeah, yeah. I go offensive, Not... then it turns out, yeah, everyone else is gonna hog the plane first no matter what. <laughs> so I'm just gonna be scared of the turret, and apparently I got a lot more kills than everyone else when I'm just sitting at a home base. Well, I mean, for most, for some of the games, not all of them. But but, but it's okay. I would say, I mean, for for a guy like you, I think you would definitely appreciate the single player uh, campaign for Battlefield One. I mean, mm. the stories are told really well, and I, I don't mean scant as in a bad thing, but it's just like, I think it's uh, it trims the fat. You know, it doesn't overstay its welcome. You just play each individual war story. You get your kicks out of it. You you follow the the, the stories of these individuals, and then and basically it's just to teach you the mechanics mm. in a okay. very nice, uh, well crafted little way. I mean, I wish there was more. I mean, I'm pretty sure there'll be future DLC or there'll be like further expansions that would probably add more war stories, more Well, characters. this is EA we're talking about. They well, are going to sell EA, stuff. Right, yes. Yes. They're going to sell DLC all the way through. It depends on what players want. And Battlefield has always been a multiplayer game, so they're, they're going to probably focus more on multiplayer first before single player. Uh, but if the demand is good, especially for that Bedouin woman, the ninja, <laughs> then who knows? We might get more stories her from her. Her name is Zara Gufran, man. <laughs> no, that's an awesome name, alright. <laughs> no, I know somebody named Zara Gufran. And when I saw that name pop up, I was like, yo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> I know somebody with that name. But okay, you know, but yeah, shout outs to the, to the team or to the to the section of the developers who put the single player campaign together I mean it's nice it's well done doesn't overstay its welcome as I mentioned a bit scant yes I mean but it's think of it as like six tutorial stages it does what it's supposed to do it does it very well with a little bit of story a little bit of character a little bit of you know drama thrown in oh nice nice so single player I mean you it gotta is, get to multiplayer it is what right? it is but yes the, the, the bulk of playing this game yes. is the multiplayer now I, got, I gotta ask Remember when I brought up the planes? Does that same problem still occur? Like, are there even planes around that era? I mean, like, there are planes. planes, yo. Are you, will you, will there always be a time when I'll when if you you snooze you lose when it comes to getting the plane first? Dude, in Battlefield, when you snooze, you really do lose. <laughs> because the thing is, everybody's rushing for tanks, horses, planes, and I... that bullshit tactic of getting into a plane. Going to the <laughs> to the middle and like just crash landing it, you know, just to get the the, the hit start. Yeah, that that, that, that still. that's still around. Oh my <laughs> People god! People still do that. The more things change, they remain the same. You, oh my you, god! You cannot stop humanity. You know, if we'll find a way to be assholes, we'll be assholes. Okay, but granted, like, okay, now here's you, one thing. You gotta talk about the horses, dude. I mean, I've seen the trailers, all that <laughs> with the sword, everything. How does it feel? 
being on a horse in this game. Okay, uh, let me just say, okay, I, I'm gonna preface this uh, properly. Okay. I'm not a fan of the military shooter. I mean, I was raised in the Quake, Unreal era. I like my shooters, futuristic. Now, you give me a military shooter, like, the weapons are a little bit inaccurate, ineffective. They're affected by things like wind and gravity. You know, you gotta really, like, place your shots. You need. I mean, the thing about military shooters, right, it doesn't really reward you on... Yeah, like twitch reflexes or your ability to like shoot from the hip mm. it's more about like positioning placement and precision definitely and that's the thing when you enter a military shooter you fall into the trappings of okay I'm trying not to die you're not really charging into battle you're just finding that one place where like a sniper will definitely not be able to, like, to tag you and then you're doing your best and then you're, you're crawling slowly through you're proning through and then you get wiped out <laughs> and then you realize like some asshole in a building from this window way over here throws a lucky grenade and takes you out that's when things get really frustrating and especially for new players or people who are not used to this kind of military shooter I mean granted you will die a lot and you'll start to feel bad so that's why I love horses because a couple of assholes you know throwing mortar with their like their, their long-range artillery I got really fed up with like trying to get too close to them because they had all these snipers flanking them and taking like people like me out from a distance got on a horse took out my sword charge into battle Genghis Khan style and I slice these motherfuckers to pieces <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> because that's the one thing I like about battlefield you can just do batshit crazy stuff like this and it's just so rewarding okay here's another situation that happened to me I was playing a, a conquest map now conquest if you recall it's like it's the de facto the classic battlefield style multiplayer where basically you're given objectives where you have to capture certain points within a really gigantic map yeah, and the maps are huge okay this is 32 versus 32 uh, when I started playing Battlefield, like on day one, when I got the launch, is like servers were full. It was hard getting in, but when you got in, man, you, they just throw you right into the chaos. So there I was. How me. many maps? I mean, how many maps? Uh, which was your favorite map before you get into the chaos? Oh, uh, my favorite map so far. I like Suez, the Suez Canal map. It's it's tiny. It's like literally four checkpoints, and it, it feels like an Overwatch game <laughs> okay, because okay. It's, you everybody just slams into each other and then you everybody just meets in the middle and it's basically like a huge war of attrition where you're just going back and forth mm -hmm. and I think like if you want something that just like throws you into the fray and you just gotta keep slamming yourself against uh, the enemy waves right you play that Swiss, the, the Swiss map and then this is one map I can't really recall where but it's I think set in the European mountains this is my new favorite map because basically you got guns you got tanks you got planes mm. everybody's going full on like this is the full on battlefield experience so as I was saying right I was playing this map I was getting taken out by snipers way up in the, the Alpo mountainside and the thing is we were trying to take this one uh, objective point right which is basically this church building so there were people in the windows, there were people being like all over the place. It was impossible for my team to go in. So I did the one thing I had to do. I jumped in a tank, <laughs> caution to the wind, drove full speed head on, didn't give a fuck, <laughs> rammed right into that church, shot everybody up, squashed people in the process. I had like five kills in a row. Those assholes threw grenades at me, it bounced off, back to them, landed in the church, my tank blew up, they blew up, everyone was dead. Utter pandemonium, 
awesome. The most <laughs> rewarding and satisfying online experience I've had in a long time. Nice, nice. So you're saying that there's destructibility going on here. Oh, the destructibility. Things, that's the thing. I, li I like the fact that the destructibility adds to the strategy. Because basically, like, so you have this problem with snipers. So you have problems with guys hiding behind doors and windows, right? Dude, get a tank, get some heavy artillery, just blow that wall to pieces. Oh, nice. <laughs> Open it up. And then that's, that's the thing I like about this game is because the more destruction that occurs, right, the, the, the tactics has to change, it has to evolve. Now you see people finding less places to go for cover or they realise that, okay, there's no point like taking refuge or hiding or barricading yourself inside this uh, building because it's going to be blown to pieces right away because everybody is like the meta game is slowly kind of like uh, developing and people are realising we, we blow all these houses up now. So, so, that, so there's no hide. chance for any of these guys to hide in there, okay? And then the thing is, the other team would realize that and suddenly they start blowing your shit up too. <laughs> so it's just like, you can see this beautiful vista, these villas and all these lovely like, European houses. Because there are no walls blocking it. <laughs> That's how the game starts and then by the end of the first half hour to first hour, man, everything is just level. It's just total destruction and chaos and it's like, oh man. I love it. I love, I love the fact it's just, it's the one the one thing I like about military shooters is just that it's constantly keeping you on your toes. I mean, like you can play games like Quake and Unreal, right? The maps don't change. But okay. it's the player that changes. The, 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 the player will adapt, right? But the map doesn't change. Okay, the corridors, the walls stay the same. In Battlefield, yo, that church you used to like to hide, hide in, <laughs> gone. <laughs> like the first 20 minutes. People will figure it out. Like, hey, we're going to blow this one to pieces, blow that to pieces. We have nothing but courtyard. <laughs> and that's the thing. That's the glory of games like Battlefield. So how's it like when, when it comes to the end of the battle, like the end screen where you zoom out and see the entire map? You get to see all the carnage and everything amidst all the numbers, I right? mean, not just all the carnage I mean, you, you, it's basically like it'll tell you like okay these are the points you've held these are the positions of all your friends this is where you died this is the guy who knocked you out i mean the background itself would be like the map after yeah. right so so it's like <laughs> it'll be scorched earth right now. oh man i mean <laughs> that's the thing i i got really addicted I, I i just after like a grueling one hour game you know whether I won or lost, I just wanted to play again. I mean, I mean, props to the guys who put these maps together in the multiplayer, because the multiplayer really kept me going. Because right after the single player, I thought to myself like, okay, maybe I'll do one or two rounds. Mm. Dude, I was up all night, man, just oh, man. grinding it, trying to level up, doing. I also love the fact that uh, I mean, it's got this like little system where okay, if you choose a certain class, if you like, uh, how you say, fulfill certain criteria, like oh, you do uh, like five headshots or in one life kill five people and it's like I got addicted to that too it's like oh because that gives you XP so it's like it starts to level you up and then like I came in really skeptical really like you know non-committed like by the end of like that first eight hours on multiplayer I'm just thinking about it right now I just want to go back to it <laughs> oh that's good that's good to know <laughs> it's man it's fun you know it's like it's like perfect junk food you know you know you don't you know it's not great but you just enjoy it so much and it, it, it's just what it is, you know. Battlefield 1, to me, single player could be beefed up a little bit, but I think on hindsight, when I, uh, it's, it, it is what it is. It's perfect for what it's supposed to do. Multiplayer doesn't disappoint. If you're a fan of Battlefield games, where it's just total chaos, <laughs> where it's just like 32 guys versus 32 guys just slamming into each other and just bodies piling up and just things getting out of hand really quickly yo do no wrong purchase 
Battlefield 1. Some of the most fun I had in a long time. That's the thing. <sighs> um, I actually played the Battlefield 1942. I played Bad Company 1 and 2. I love Bad Company. It's really, really good. Like the characters, the Sarge and everything. It's just comedic fun and all that. I guess so. It's now, the Saints Row 3 of the Battlefield exactly, series. Exactly, yeah, so. yeah. And I love it all the more for it. Now, me, have, have not touched any Battlefield for a long time. Is this the perfect one to actually get back into? I would say yes. I think... What EA and DICE games did was it's not just a reset in the number or a reset in the timeline or like just going all the way back to World War 1. I. I see the way it's designed. I mean, it's it's very small and subtle but it's very noob friendly. I mean, granted, like for a first timer jumping to a game like this, the scale, the expanse, the, like, the, the sheer overwhelming nature of a game like Battlefield and just shit blowing up around you and just being like surrounded by people constantly, it can get a little bit disheartening, like dying over and over again. You will die a lot. Okay? Even the most experienced players get wiped out. Mm. But it just throws you back into the fray quickly. I love the fact that, you know, you die, you can either choose a checkpoint or maybe even a... Uh, squad or team member like you can spawn right next to this person and you just jump back in it doesn't slow down it's like it, it allows you to just like get up straight away dust you off and keep going and going and going but still uh battlefield one highly recommended multiplayer is awesome single player could be beefed up and there's nothing else much i want to say about that no, it sounds like it's a very glowing review right there i mean 18 hours ish you played i mean was it eight i forgot but that's a, that's quite a lot to actually eight hours in multiplayer about four hours in single player that's uh, pretty that's pretty good time to actually gauge something so i'd say it sounds like a nine or sounds like an eight sounds like a seven no nah, it's not an eight or a nine it's it's a very strong seven yeah now uh now, because, I mean, 7 is good, but, I mean, there's, again, campaign is too short, but multiplayer seems to be hitting it home right home for you. Yeah, it does. I mean, it is it is what it is. I mean, if you're familiar with the Battlefield genre, it's, or, or, or military shooters, right, it's right up your alley. You know, I mean, I fell right into it. I got addicted. I'm playing it over and over again. Nice. And I think I'll be playing it for, like, you know, the rest of the month. I, I just want to level up, you know, get my scout, my medic, and my... Uh, my support characters all the way up. You know, I'm I'm doing the achievements for this. I kind of want to also. I mean, since we're talking about games and multiplayer, um, yeah, I've actually got like a code for Civilization Six. Oh, nice. That just came out pretty recent actually. By the time we finish recording this, put this up, put it up. I think it's been five, six days. You got a code for me too? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, oh, it's for yeah, you, man. sweet. Yeah. Now, here's the thing about Civ Six. I mean, everyone knows the four X game. You explore, you eradicate. I'm not sure what the other two E's are though. <laughs> uh, economy, you building, educate, educate, I guess. You yeah. enunciate, yeah. elevate. Sorry, sorry, it's a four, yeah, the four X thing. Basically, it's the, it's like you're building a civilization for crying out loud. So there's so many win conditions, hmm. either building the wonders or just heading straight to the info slash old age or, or being, the, age, yeah. being the first like nation or, to discover the internet or yes, something or be the or basically be the last man standing after you bomb everyone to the ground man did you play Civ 5 i did only a little bit but the one i played the most is three and four and of course one and two i played four a lot and man those games last forever yeah now here's the thing part six mm -hmm. i've been playing it for a little bit so this is more like a preview not okay. much has changed, to be honest. How many hours you clocked in? Um, I've clocked in about four or five hours so far. I've played so far. I've gone through two rulers at the moment. Okay. Uh, the first time I was playing, I was playing it. I just 
just went to do it blindly because I kind of knew my Civ kind of history and lore. I mean, my, uh, my the way of playing Civilization back then. Mm-hmm. But basically, oh, just build a bunch of settlers, build up cities, and then get your archers pretty quick and get your spearmen so you can kill everyone just around you. <laughs> well, the, the javelin guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, now, the one new thing that I think has not appeared in any Civ game is this... You get to set diplomatic... Uh, Edicts, um, basically uh, your government system. So, okay. as you as you upgrade your uh, you, you know, upgrade your theologies and your government systems, mm-hmm. you know, you get like new laws and like the first of the democracy and all that. Yeah, all that, yes. Um, you get these little cards. You can actually direct them to like different. You go like you have like a wildcard policy. You have a democratic, diplomatic policy. You got a military policy. Like four sections of this. Okay. So you have one card. To actually put for each of these sites to actually funnel how your civilization grows. For example, there's one where you basically deal ten percent damage more to barbarians. Oh, so it's called like perks. Yeah, they are basically perks. Yes. Okay, okay. So you got like a combat perk. You've got like a resource building perk where, okay, you set up trade routes. You get extra gold from that. You do this, you get extra food. You get extra uh, luxury items and whatnot. Uh, or faster production for builders. You actually have builders you can actually grow from your from your city to actually build up on the stuff that you actually own, and okay. also expand expand your current city's uh, range by increasing its culture, okay. which you do by building universities and um, not granaries. Granaries are just for food. Um, yeah, so it's like uh, universities and whatnot. See, most of my games so far have ended at the Bronze Age because either I killed them too fast. <laughs> Or I was too careless and China's barbarians started attacking me more. Oh, the Mongol oh, horde. <laughs> like, uh, more like the warriors before the Mongol horde. Oh, okay. Now, this is the one the game The terracotta where... guys? Yes, yes. <laughs> this is the one time when I can say that apparently China is declared war on Geneva. First. <laughs> I got that message right. Oh my god, I gotta screen cap this shit and share it online. This is just funny stuff. So, that's just my story so far. I, I was actually playing as Lord Saladin. Um, oh. So, you get sort of willing dervish kind of guys if you upgrade to your if you if you actually research your horsemanship and yeah uh, anything along those lines of the tier for, for like tech tree I mean you mentioned Lord Saladin right I mean like the first thing that pops to my head is like you know Red Ridley Scott Kingdom of Heaven shit when he just yes. trebuchets like slamming rocks against all these like oh, you know, mud houses you, oh and if you pick Catherine the Great you actually get better castle defenses by researching castling for your tech tree okay basically you just have bigger walls but, like, so you can turtle and just have your civilization grow all the way to the info age if you wanted to but compared to like other civilization games how big are these skill trees now ah uh, wow um are there even more in depth because like this game is it like... seems more in depth actually um i think that's the changes they do in this game are subtle compared to four but it's definitely big in scale because you've got all these diplo uh democracy uh, different types of like government rules and whatnot policies the tech trees and you still got your culture trees as well um it's not as big as part five though i remember part five you actually get uh not you get to actually employ like a separate uh, edict or something right oh, i can't remember man because i, I kind of uh, skipped part on part five. five i only played a little bit of it i mean i was really been to four i remember getting part five on a steam still like like a complete edition is like one day I shall reattempt this. <laughs> and here's the thing: I also was play actually playing on Pangaea map, so I actually wanted to actually come. Oh really? No borders? All... No, no. I just want to come. <laughs> I just want to fight or meet up with different civilizations straight away without ships. 
but at the same time, these bats are so huge. Like that time when I actually died the first time as the Saladin. Okay. I've only came across three civilizations, and they all wanted to kick my ass for some reason. I mean, did you set it on like everybody's super aggro mode or something? Uh, no, I just put it on like the default difficulty and just went on from there. No one was aggro. I I did not actually adjust it to adva advancedly. I wanted to actually be the peaceful Lord Saladin, but mm. no, apparently not. I wanted to share the nah, whole, the whole man. tech, the whole. The whole power of religion and science combined together, but dude, nope, that's not gonna happen. Dude, this is civilization, man. You are the only. You are supposed to create the one lasting empire. Of yeah, course, of course. but yo, I mean, I can't so wait much to for give peace, right? Peace sells, but who's buying? Come exactly. on, true, true. Mega Smash it. Mega that's taught as well. Oh man, whatever happened to Dave Mustaine? Yeah, but anyway, five hours of this. I'm still gonna play this game more and more. It's just that I'm still oh, so, trying my so best. So you're hooked. To, uh, it's got its claws in you. I am hooked because of just the fact that I just want to research as much as possible while trying to stay alive. That's the that's the kicker right there, and making friends and trying to set up trade routes, all that while killing them later on in the long run. <laughs> Until I realize, oh, this guy's actually researching. Uh, so the, my spies in. Who's actually researching nuclear fission? First? So the not so noble Mr. Toffee. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> but that's the first thing I'll always do. I'll check my skill Find tree. a way how to long, fuck people over. <laughs> how long does it take me to actually get to nuclear fission first? <laughs> Think about this will be the 27 tier, but God knows how many turns will pass. Yeah, like maybe I finally 100. upgraded my camels now. How how much more to like get nuclear bombs? <laughs> exactly. That is that's in the thoughts of every single Civ player out there. Dude. And this will actually... And yeah, Civ 6 actually continues that tradition. But again, in terms of like really breakthrough innovations, apart from the card system that I mentioned... The brick system, know, yeah. The brick system, I can't seem to... I haven't delved in deep enough. I mean, or but I does just it feel anything. like more of the same, or is there like some really sh like broad improvements that you realize? Um, or no. do you need to play the game a bit more before you actually? I would have to play it a bit more. I don't think five hours is enough. Def so, dude, definitely. Yeah. Yo, each of these these games can last like a day yeah. played properly. I plus <laughs> I kind of want to actually try out all the world leaders. So I've already tapped um, Catherine the Great. I've tapped. Um, I'm now on Catherine the Great. And I got a, I basically got like maybe ten more to go. Yo, I heard Gandhi's in this tour. Right? He still is, still is. <laughs> um, oh yeah, Theodore Roosevelt's inside. I'm gonna use him after that. Okay, after wait, wait. Out of all the world leaders, right? Okay, are the great dictators in there? Do we have Stalin? Do we have Hitler? Uh, no Stalin, no Hitler. Man. But maybe an expansion might come out because civ <laughs> if, if I know civilization in the game itself <laughs> yes there's gonna be expansions for these bad boys because the thing is right my dream I don't know okay yo Sid Meier people hear me out I wanna play a Civ game where I play as Hitler and I'm the nicest Hitler <laughs> ever I'm gonna be so sweet and so democratic I'm gonna use my very uh, <laughs> my instinctual Germanic need to inspire and rally people together and we just for you know, peace for peace you know I know Heil Hitler <laughs> but and if you don't like it we're just gonna build walls big enough so you don't can't touch us I wanna be like <laughs> I think that sounds like Doctor Doom in a sense if you're gonna build wall, chest size uh, no, high walls man, no yeah. I'm gonna break all the walls down it's all about you know I'm going to bring the German efficiency to 
the world and you shall all realize uh, that we should all live in a very efficient manner yes peace 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 you know <laughs> make love not war <laughs> that's gonna be a really alternate fun. history yeah that, that's what i want to do in games like this you know like and on the flip side yo i want to be the fucked up gandhi who just travels out of india and just smashes or, or, things or a nice montezuma or maybe a nice montezuma but well, you picture this man you're gandhi you're fucking shit up you're, you're setting everything on fire what would you the best path for nuclear fission <laughs> you know this is the true passive aggressiveness <laughs> smashing shit to pieces we're just pointing out guns at you don't worry about it too much <laughs> peace 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 oh, man. Uh, i think that... the salt march would be like more like salt for it for the bad guys for more his <laughs> opponents actually um, feeling salty right there oh man I okay I can't wait to I think what we should do is right okay in the next episode or whenever actually, we can actually not next episode next episodes in the next this game, game is so huge this, yeah we probably need to do like a diary session where we just like you know come back and like you know let each other know like what our civ exploits have been so far oh yeah yeah oh man oh man okay Dude, man, and juggle this and Battlefield. Yo, what else is coming out? Titanfall's coming oh out. Oh my god, that's next week. Dishonored oh, like, is coming out. End of October, like by the time this podcast is out, it should be out. The, the Skyrim Legendary, like the, the up-breast version should be coming out either this week, uh, as of the recording of this podcast, or maybe next week. I think if we're going to focus on multiplayer stuff, yeah, Titanfall 2 can, can be quite a killer. Dude, I'm, I'm still going that Battlefield fix, yo. I mean, I mean, like, yo, this is turning out to be a very, very strong... Uh, end of the year for games so far actually what I'm worried about EA's side is now they got Battlefield 1 out yeah and Titanfall right it's up. also a first person shooter per se but I think it's less player count compared to Battlefield I would say less military style it's gonna be a bit more run and gun more quakeish you know what I mean more quakeish yeah because you got the wall runs and you got your titans yeah it's a, it's a very traditional FPS kind of game plus titans yeah that. but in the, gen- in the general landscape of things because these both are shooters I don't know, maybe one could cannibalize the other or do you think there's actually room for both, especially from from your side? I think what like, do you think? From what I see, like Battlefield servers are full, man. Like <laughs> all of them. And I'm playing on the Asia servers, which I think based in Japan. I mean if I recall the flags are all Japanese and these are the, the official dice servers, right? And like they have Wow and it's not Japan's just on, on Battlefield. Dude, Japan's on point with FPS, you know, from Quake to Battlefield to Call of Duty. Oh, Counter Strike, don't forget Counter Strike. And Counter Strike is pretty big too. Dude, I mean like the the Japanese people when they when they pick something and they decide to get good at it, they get ridiculously good at <laughs> oh my it. God. That's I just think their nature. Is similar to that really. Not just Street Fighter, any video game. Yo, like Tetris Grand Champions are from Japan. <laughs> okay? They it's, it's just a thing, uh, but, but I'll say this like um I doubt Titanfall and Battlefield 1 will com- compete with each other because I'm pretty sure each one has a very strong fervent fan base. And I think also like, yo, I mean guys who play Battlefield will definitely play Titanfall and guys who play Titanfall will play Battlefield. They probably just flip between the two. I'm not so worried about that, but I think I'm more worried about the fact that EA, what are they going to do after this? I mean, they, they drop FIFA. They drop Madden, so their sports contingents out. Yeah. Okay, now we got the shooter contingent. So what are they gonna do for the for the, the holiday era? I think that's it. They're just gonna sell mm-hmm. Battlefield stuff and they're gonna sell Titanfall and stuff. They're gonna survive on like DLC and premium passes all the way uh, till next year. Maybe not so much the next few months, but definitely next year. Next year they're gonna have to come out with something big, or they probably have the DLC and little drips. But what? Okay, but but to be honest, EH has no issue with this sort of thing. They release the Battlefield, they release the FIFA, boom, they're done. 
if any company has one of these IPs, I think they'll be set for the next half a year. FIFA or so. has them set for life, yo. The Pretty whole much. world that buys that game. Just set them up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the fact that they release one every year without fail. Yeah. With like little minor touches here and there. Although, to be fair, the journey does sound interesting in FIFA 17. Yeah, I heard about that. It's basically, okay, you're a footballer trying to make it big. A lot of British accents. <laughs> awesome stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's a rise, the Rex the Riches uh, story within the Premier League. Yeah, right? it's kind of like Mass Effect except football. Who, and who, British wait, accents. Wait, who's the team you play for? Um, Norfolk. You get to, no, no. You get to pick whichever team you want. Who, who actually approaches you? Yo, I could be like the hero of Crystal Palace. You could, you could be. Yes, yes. Throwback to people from the eighties. If you want to be in Manu, I think you got a choice. Yo, you just gotta fuck, be good. Fuck being in any of the major teams, man. <laughs> it's up to you, dude. If you want to be in a major. Do team. I really want to be the hero of Arsenal? I think they're fine. <laughs> okay, seriously. Nah, I want to pick like a really shit team like Wigan or Ipswich. <laughs> Show nothing in this alternate universe, you beat <laughs> everyone to the ground. You know, this is in this alternate universe. I know when Gandhi's fucking that shit over there, I'll be over here in Crystal Palace, winning, taking the Premier League. Oh, nice. <laughs> you know what? Yes, this is what I like about you know alternate history games or you know anything where you can just sort of tweak a little bit of things here and there. It just makes for interesting Play stories. Play it your own way, okay? Yeah, That's yeah. Not the way it should be done. Yeah. Hashtag China invades Geneva. <laughs> Hashtag EA Play it your way <laughs> Oh man okay. It's your game Not in the game Oh I remember that Oh that It's still, it's still going on That's the, okay. that's the catchphrase In religion With science Culture Or napalm Watch out Gandhi might drop the A-bomb You can show your neighbours You love them Or just beat the dog shit Out of them Civilization history becomes your creation. Learn to write before you can read and build the Taj Mahal right in Cleveland. Your wits and your sense of humor. Watch out for that prick Montezuma. He's a douchebag. You can change the future a lot. See? You can even make Jewish Nazis. I also want to talk about something else that's coming along that was recently kind of announced and dropped. Ooh, ooh, okay. what's that, what's that? I want to do a proper off-the-cuff reaction. Did you see the Nintendo Switch trailer? It's definitely not a bait Switch, that's for sure. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say that. But I wrote a piece on it online. Um, just my thoughts. It looks sexy as fuck, you. It's so good looking. It looks super futuristic, yeah, yes. I would say that. It looks really good, and I buy the portability of it. I buy the fact that yes, okay, yeah, two controllers kind of reminds me of the, of the N64 controller for some for some strange reason. Why do you say that? Oh, this is the GameCube. Because oh, there's one analog at the top and one analog at the bottom. I think it'll be GameCube. That's GameCube. Yes, yes, yeah. So it reminds me of the GameCube, but at the same time, hey, two people can use one side of the controller each to yeah, play a Mario yeah, Kart yeah. game and all. That's really cool. And yeah, it's always good to see that Nintendo, they're not, they're not, you know, making really big. Triple A, uh, really fanciful, push push it to the limit kind of games. Nope. They're just making fun games with the proper tools. The Nintendo Switch is that particular tool. It just looks, um, yeah, good, and I can see myself actually getting this in the future. Now, of course, there are there's of course elephants in the room to address. For example, battery life when it's actually yeah, offline. That's the first thing the that dog. came to my mind. Like, how long is this gonna last if I take it on the road or like do a, go on a trip? Now, to take to put something in this frame of reference, 
the Wii U tablet does not last more than three hours. There you go. The 3DS itself, the first time it came out, that was like less than eight hours until they started upgrading it. My XL actually lasts about twenty-four hours. Like yeah, I can definitely go out on a full day without. Yeah, but that's an updated version, like a year later, and yeah, then another yeah, yeah. year, subsequent year, it actually uses but, less power. But you, I think you also have to understand that. Like, I mean, they figured out that they've done the portable thing for the longest time. I mean, these are the OGs of portable gaming. Oh yeah, the they're the Game Boy guys. Yeah. yeah, so it's like you know they should have figured things out by now, and I'm pretty sure. I mean, like what the one thing that got my attention was Nintendo was going to be using Nvidia graphics cards. Mm. And it's like, well, where did that come from? Because it's like Xbox and Sony both are under the AMD, AMD banner, yes. and then now we have Nvidia, and then Nvidia has a very similar thing with the Nvidia Shield, with um, I mean, yes, that's they, actually they, that, that they, actually crossed my mind. This is the Nvidia Shield Nintendo, Nintendo version. edition, yeah, <laughs> and also the Razer Fiona. I'm not sure what the real name is, the code name, but it's basically a laptop that looks like a tablet with two joysticks, two. PlayStation like phallic joysticks next to it. <laughs> Shout out to Min. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, that's the that those are the two things that came to mind when I saw the Switch too. I mean, it's it's the comparison is apt, but at the same time, Nintendo has always been the software guys, all right? And yeah, quality one, games yeah. all and the time. I see hope for this. I just want to make sure that these guys they have to say something beyond the trailer they release, like maybe in the next few months or so. Leading up to March, when it when it's coming out. Okay, but okay, I'm gonna play. What's the reverse of Devil's Advocate? Uh, I'm not. I'm not, not Devil's Advocate. I'm not <laughs> gonna be Devil's Advocate. Okay, I'm gonna be uh, Angel Advocate. Ah, oh, fuck. Okay, <laughs> I wanna say this right. Okay, now, uh, you mentioned how E is gonna cannibalize its own market by releasing Titanfall and Battlefield when so close to each other. Yeah. Is the Wii U finally past its lifespan? It's been quite a number of years, actually, in two, since 2014, when it came out. Yeah, that's two years. I don't believe so. The, the, the Wii U itself is 250 US. Well, it's going to be ex- more expensive here thanks to Microsoft. But anyway, the point Ooh. is... Yeah, Shots it's... Fired. It's... <laughs> the, the Wii Switch, the Nintendo Switch has to be around that price range or slightly cheaper. Because if it's going to be something similar to what the Wii U has produced in terms of graphics and gameplay and stuff and whatnot inside it. Yeah, I mean... The, the way I see it, the Wii U is still gonna be around. It'll be around for maybe another two years while the Switch is out. But it's gonna be probably discontinued eventually. Yeah, but I not so much yet. Plus, with a lot of games that's using the tablet for second screens and for gameplay stuff, what's to actually stop the Switch from actually having a little cable at the side to actually connect to the tablet or have a little Wi-Fi thing going on. But none of this has been announced, right? So we're just speculating. This is speculation, right? yes. But if I know if I know Nintendo, they will always have a backwards compatibility thing going on. I mean, they should, especially in this day and age. Because like, okay, Sony at this point of time, the PS4 is the console to get. Mm. I would say that, okay? Especially with the slew of games that's going to be coming up in the future. I mean, granted, like a lot of things have been uh, announced as delayed. Like FF15 is delayed, okay? Uh, yeah, last, November. Last Guardian is also going to be yeah. delayed. And frankly, like when the Wii U HD came out, like there was nothing to really buy except for maybe Bayonetta 2 at launch. Mm. And then like slowly the other games came along. We oh, had... Wonderful 101 came out. That's, yeah. that's the bomb, yo. And like, okay, so at least getting a Wii U, you are kind of like buying into the ecosystem of already some pretty good games. 
nothing has been announced announced as the killer app for the Nintendo Switch yet, right? Not yet. So I think the selling point is still the gimmick of its portability. Yeah, and there's also another elephant to address. Um, mm. <laughs> all those Wii U games I bought, are they gonna be gonna go through Forwards a compatible uh, in the can Switch? I, can all the shit I already own? Can I play it on the Switch? Yeah. That's the thing I want because I bought a shitload of Wii U games and I don't want them to be like, oh, sorry, you're gonna have to buy the cartridge version of it to put inside the Switch. Fuck off! If you do that, <laughs> fuck you, Nintendo. Or maybe it might even like be a lot of Nintendo Store stuff, you know? Like maybe like oh, if you already own this on Nintendo Store, but I mean, I'm thinking you're also uh, like airing out your grievances about like okay, I've already bought into this ecosystem, the Wii U, and technically it's been around for about almost four years. Not really a full like a full. I guess four years. You're right. Yeah, I got my years screwed up. So like yeah, a full generation right. is usually more than five years to six years, mm-hmm. right? And it's like. To me, I still haven't jumped in to the to this current console generation yet. I've been still uh, sitting on the fence about getting a PS4 or maybe even a Wii U HD. Mm-hmm. And it's like I still play my Wii. There are still games that I still play. No more heroes once in a while because it's just so fun. Oh, dude, it's part one and part two. Really fun stuff. <laughs> Wait, yeah, <laughs> you're waggling around while you're trying to recharge your lightsaber. No, but here's the thing. It's like okay. To me, I kind of like the vendor in the game too for two big reasons. Yeah. <laughs> boing, boing, huh? there you go. No, but this is what I want to say. Like, okay, so Nintendo, always known for being like you know premier game makers. Okay, all the AAA games are AAA games. Yes. There's never been a shit Mario. There's never been a shit Zelda. Yeah. And even the worst Mario game, or like something like even Luigi's Mansion, yeah, right, it's, it's still, still a solid game. It's fun. You okay. Know? And the thing is, it's only bad compared to the other greatness around it. Yeah, and we're not counting the CDI stuff, mind you. So no. anyway, go on. No, I'm definitely but not counting the CDI fun. stuff. Now we trust Nintendo, in other words, for the products that are going to come out. Definitely. So, I mean, the questions for the Switch, they're all going to be there. We've laid it out. I'm also more concerned about how much space will be inside the Switch itself. Oh, the memory space. Because right. every console right now, I think their max right now is one teragig. Terabyte. 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 Teragig. Teragig. Teragigabyte. <laughs> teragig is the name of the stripper we met last night. <laughs> one terabyte. So, if you're gonna have this whole crossplay thing going on, God, 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 hope that happens. Well, they should. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna have a need a lot of space to install all that shit in. I mean, like. It's 2016. I think we've had this conversation before. We should start to stray away from optical discs and other sorts of physical media. I mean, like, come on, man. Like, or just... keep games in SD cards as well, if possible. Or even better, keep games online. Okay, let us do what Steam has done for all this time. Just create a library for us to download and like extract whenever we feel like it. Now, this is something I want to kind of touch on, okay? Yes, yes. So, we've talked about the gimmick of its portability. Now, this is what makes me feel a little bit worried. Because Nintendo hasn't been so much about creating quality games, but creating gimmicky stuff. The Switch has all—it's a little transformer. It has many different ways for you to uh, to play it. It hooks up to your TV. It hooks up to itself. It hooks up, or it breaks apart into a like a multiplayer system. Before that was the Wii U HD was basically you know beyond waggle physics. Now you're playing with a tablet and the TV. And then after that, I mean, like before that was the Wii itself. You know where it's like, hey, these controllers, you have motion controls. So it's like gimmick, gimmick, gimmick. Okay, they they are definitely on this path. And what I'm afraid of is like, okay, what have they got to figure out next? Okay, I'm I'm pretty sure Nintendo has a research team figuring out VR mm. or whatever the future or whatever 4K or 8K is gonna happen. 
Okay, there is. I mean, this is Nintendo's the kind of company they don't announce it, they don't say it, but somewhere deep within their you know giant facility, there are researchers and like not the R and D guys, right? Are just figuring stuff out. What's the next system? What are we gonna do next? And like, ever since Iwata San died, like Iwata San left. I mean, he brought Nintendo back to glory with the Wii. Yeah. Then. There was the 3DS too, don't forget. And the 3DS, yo. Oh my god, it's like the best system for RPGs right now. <laughs> if you're into portable RPGs and JRPGs. Dude, Bravely Default, still hands down, best mm-hmm. RPG I've played. For me, it's still a Shin Megami Tensei 4. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I actually got Apocalypse. I can't talk about it because I'm only like 5 hours in. Oh. But yeah, great system for RPGs. So that's the thing. Uh, Iwata-san, yeah. since it's passed away, do you think that lightning in the bottle can be captured with the, by the new president? The thing is, the new president and the new development teams, I mean, like, I'm pretty sure after Iwata-san died, right, Miyamoto is still around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and so are a few of the more, like, OG... And like the, uh, AG on Nomo, the the guy who did Zelda. Yeah, and, like, all these, all these guys are still up in the upper echelons of Nintendo, right? But they're in rough waters. They're now putting all their money on this system, the Switch. And what made me really worried, right, is usually Nintendo will be the kind of people who not only release, a, a, like, tease a trailer for the for a console, but they will have a killer app attached. So, is there going to be a Zelda for this? Is there going to be a Mario for oh, this? Oh, there's already a Zelda and a Mario. It was actually on the trailer itself. Breath of the Wild is for the Switch. Mm. A new Mario game that has yet to be announced in for details is is gonna be on the Switch. I'm so glad they stopped calling it the NX. You know, it's yeah, just yeah. so weird. NX is like, huh, but then this Switch... sounds like a T- this sounds like a TNT thing, you know, like wrestling. <laughs> Nintendo's going to pro wrestling it's for real. Just, no man, I mean, but I I love Nintendo. I mean, they are a very important part of all our childhoods, and we want nothing but to see them succeed. You know, and I just hope like the, the Wii U didn't do well. Let's just be really yeah, honest. Yeah. As, and f- as fun as the games are, yeah, it's not really the thing that set the wall on fire. I mean, like, honestly, I'm a Nintendo fanboy myself, granted, but I still haven't bought myself the Wii U. I, I own a Wii, I own an N64. This is the first time in the, in the history of Nintendo consoles where I skipped one. Mm. And the thing is, I was thinking to myself, uh, do I need another console? And like, what are the games available for me? I think the Switch is actually solving and remedying that problem for guys who you did think? not get the Wii U. Get this new system that's smaller, and hopefully can connect other shit onto it that you've got in the past. Yeah. And then play whatever Wii U stuff they used to have back then in this system. I mean, I would say this about the 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 Nintendo Switch, right? It is definitely geared towards our demographic, the older guy who grew up with Nintendo, who still want Nintendo games, and they don't want games that are just overly complicated with controls or schemes or whatever. Yeah, just keep it simple. They just keep it simple, and the best thing is, we're working dudes, okay? We have full-time jobs, we commute every day. How great would it be to have Nintendo-quality games, okay? Like, you know, right now, our only options are like 3DS, okay? Or whatever portable systems we have. Imagine if you're playing an awesome Zelda game, and then like, okay, time to go to sleep because I get up early for work tomorrow. Pause it, pull it out, wake up, continue on the train to work, go to work, maybe like squash another hour during your, your lunch break. Yeah, and then you can even charge your, uh, yeah, you can even charge a Switch when you're at work, you know, working while, you know, it's at the side, you know? That's what really got me interested in the Switch because like, holy shit, maybe this might be the thing. They're actually combining all the aspects of tablet gaming, phone gaming, yeah. and even console gaming into this device. 
with a connectable controller too. And if you want, you can use your uh, that Pro controller, the one that we got for the Wii U, <laughs> onto this. Which is what brought me to that theory about using the Wii tablet, Wii U tablet on the on the Switch. Yeah. Because if you can do that for your Pro controller, why not the other controllers you've been amassing this entire time, right? Dude, I, I still want to use my Wii Remote once in a while. Yeah, I think yeah. it's gathering dust in it, my it's, drawer. It's actually infrared. <laughs> Why can why can't that yeah, work on the switch? Work. I mean, hopefully it, it does that, you know, because all the sh- shit that you've been using, yeah, you can use it on the switch if you want. You're given the choice, and it's also a good business opportunity for Nintendo to sell new remotes. Dude, th- that is the Nintendo business opportunity. Yes. Peripherals, look at, different colors. Look at the boot. bullshit they do with the amiibos and oh. all that. Goddamn. Oh, okay. and the controllers and the 3DSs are different colors. My <laughs> God. <laughs> Think of the business opportunity you can have do with the Switch. Yo, man, I want to see a Switch in the old school Famicom colors with the grey and the color buttons. There was actually a guy on uh, IMGUR who actually did a oh, collection really? of it. Like Somewhere they did the Photoshops? A Photoshop. So the Super <laughs> Nintendo, the Famicom colors, wow. the NES, the Famicom, <laughs> original Famicom colors, and so forth and so forth. I can already imagine the 32 gigabyte deluxe whatever fuck edition of these things, <laughs> man. And, 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 and somebody's part, already done the work. Yeah, the best part, <laughs> Nintendo can probably charge it premium for that version oh man uh, oh okay the thing is like uh, cashing in on the nostalgia the Nintendo I, way everyone every one of these motherfuckers you know like, as much as I hate to say this you know yeah video games as a hobby not very cheap it's never been okay like <laughs> kids who complain about games costing $80 now dude our fucking Rockman I mean Mega Man or Street Fighter those games were $90 $80 back in the day too okay and in 80s money that's like a million dollars in the 90s money is like 2 million dollars but, but like the thing is we are now of the generation where like we have disposable income we yeah. can just definitely you know like I, I'm not doing anything I should just buy a video game you yeah know, and I, that's where these companies come in and sell the nostalgia through yeah. 30th I mean, ed- edition anniversary gifts packages <laughs> dude how many times have you re-bought a game I mean seriously mm. I have multiple versions two, of Street Fighter 2 <laughs> <laughs> seriously <laughs> okay not ashamed at all you know okay so uh I'm trying to remember, dude, how many times I bought out in Ultima or, uh, or Diablo even, especially. Seriously, uh, you know? I mean, like, I'm the sucker. Like, oh, it, Virtual Console, that counts too. Like, the stuff that I've owned on the Mega Drive. I, I bought the same damn Thunder Force, Lightning Force game on oh the Wii. Yeah. How many versions of Burn Uncle Streets of Rage do you uh, have? <laughs> too many to count. I even got the Sega Collection. I have it well. on Steam because you can yeah. mod it, man. <laughs> okay, but okay. Let's wrap up this uh, Nintendo Switch segment. Okay, let's switch it up. You, your prediction. How well is this system gonna? This do? will do well if they do the whole uh, business thing as well as do do that whole. Okay, if I do a cross a cross platform thing, if I do like use my old controllers connectivity system, and if I actually bring in new games, I will actually give a shit about. Then yeah, it can do all right. Mm. It's got a sleek package. It's just gotta worry about the detail later on. It, like and probably the, the, the next five months mm-hmm. or so, yeah, the next five to six months is very crucial for Nintendo to say and do the mark to, to, to uh, bring yeah, up the message to bring up the message. Looking forward to the marketing because, bombardment because that fucked up the Wii U. They didn't know <laughs> what the fuck they were talking about. Mm. It came out. Not many people gave a shit about it until like later on, and by the time Super Mario 3D World came out and Bayonetta 2 came out, it was a little too little too late. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I, I'm looking at the Wii U as like probably the dreamcast of this era. It's like, yeah. it's, it's the little system that could but didn't, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. So your thoughts? Your My thoughts, thoughts on, on the Switch? Switch. Okay, 
I am still on the fence about whether I want to buy this. It, same as whether I'm still on the fence whether I want to buy a Wii U. But Nintendo, I mean, whoever's listening, people in charge, just make those games. Make the killer app. Make the Mario and the Zelda we asked for. Okay. Do your very best. Your 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 system will sell. I think the Switch will do well. Will it do gangbusters? I don't think so. I think people are a little bit fatigued by the whole gimmick console thing. Yeah. But the hardcore guys, the fans, like the hardcore, I mean, the gamers like us, right? Of course we're going to get one. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to do the wait and see approach because I've already got a Wii U. Mm. The new Zelda is actually coming out for the Wii U as well. Oh, okay. So to see the Switch, I just want to see all the initial thoughts and whatnot. And I don't care if I'm going to, going to get this console like in the next two or three months because I know if it's like the Wii, it's going to sell out for the first six months. <laughs> when I was in Canada, it took me about two, three months to have got my first oh, Wii. That, 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 I was at that, that Wii period. shortage. Yes, the Wii shortage. Like, <laughs> I didn't expect to sell off this million million consoles and all that. I had to wait. I had to camp at the Best Buy. No, not camp at the Best Buy. I had to call up a lot of shops. Was it EB or QB Games in Canada? Uh, it's EB Games. Okay. I had to... Okay, after the first two months, I actually went to a... EB Games all the way from Surrey from the city which is like a two hour MRT ride quote unquote <laughs> just to get go there buy the damn system come back and stay in the house playing the damn thing for like uh, the, the entire two days or so man and then I realised yeah I need friends for this so I had to call my friends and we all had a gangbusters time playing the game playing the I think I played Rayman and then I played uh, Mario no WarioWare those two games. Warrior were never disappointed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all the other shit started coming in, like uh, with, I mean, all Mario, Mario, Mario Galaxy, Mario Galaxy, and a few others. And the sequel. Yes. And Smash Brothers, brilliant Ball. games. And yeah, the best RPGs of that, of that time: Last Story and Xenoblade. Mm, Xenoblade yeah. was fucking big, dude. So uh, I mean, okay, maybe as a final uh, counterpoint to all this, right? What is the Wii? I mean, the Nintendo Switch gonna go up against? Uh, is it Project Scorpio for Xbox? Oh, and like the the updated 1.5 version of the Xbox. Yeah, and, and the PlayStation as well. What's that one called? Neo, right? PS uh, Neo. PS uh, Pro. It's Pro, called my Pro. bad. What's Neo? Uh, Neo is something else, but it's just Leader of Pro. the Matrix. Oh no, yeah. wait, yeah. So basically, I'm sticking to my PlayStation Amateur at the moment. <laughs> but the Xbox One, I'm just sticking to what I got so far. Even though it's like a huge, giant piece of plastic that's heavy, heavy to carry around. But the Switch, nothing to worry about because it's sort of a league of its own. Portable console gaming. Mm. That's portable. That's really, really portable. And it's got the whole sharing system going on, which I hope they actually pull it off in uh, practice. I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out how they're going to make all that work. It's going to be Bluetooth or like infrared or... Yeah, yeah. That, or that, is that, it like, that's, that's still... Or is it going to be a mini wireless router right in there? That... Yeah, I, I think it's gonna have that With whole LTE Wi-Fi or whatever, thing, yeah. right? Probably infrared Not or bad. Bluetooth. I got. Uh, I'm pretty sure Nintendo will figure it out, uh, or they'll just do a cheaper version of it. I mean, I I don't, don't want to speculate too much, but yeah, okay. But I we got six months to think to you know come back to it. I'm just rooting for them, man. Nintendo. I want them to like the put to, to talk this one out of the park. I, I want Nintendo to exist forever. I'm really. I really don't care if Xbox or PlayStation sticks around, but Nintendo cannot die. I mean, if you're a gamer, <laughs> the dream that will never die. If you're, a, if you die. are a gamer, okay, okay, Nintendo, you owe all of this to Nintendo and what they've done for us. Do your best to support them. I mean, I'm not telling you to buy it, but you know, tell a friend. Hey, if you if you if you got a little boy or a little girl, you know, and you want to introduce them to video games. Nintendo is always the best system to start them off. It is. 
okay all their games all their systems it's all just simple fun and joy so like yeah I, i'm just gonna keep my eyes on nintendo switch and i just i just hope for the best with this company man i mean as, especially since like you know they've played such a big part in our childhoods and like creating the people we are right now mm-hmm so uh i think we can go for a quick break yep yep and okay there's been quite a ramble yes, <laughs> from the has. fields of the of world war one <laughs> to <laughs> the deserts of prince saladin <laughs> back to nintendo yeah japan <laughs> <laughs> that's like a, that's like a world tour thing you know oh <laughs> uh, man we've gone all around the world around yeah, the world yeah. so stick around we'll be right back Toffee. Yo, what's up? I've been busy at Netflix as of late. Yeah, Netflix, man. Since I'm paying for it, I'm gonna just consume as much content as possible. So, speaking of Netflix and speaking of things I've been uh, keeping uh, my eye on, I don't know, but I have finally sat through and completed the entire first season of Marvel's Luke Cage. All thirteen episodes of it? Was it thirteen episodes? It felt like thirteen. It felt like more, which is kind of what i'm gonna be you know bringing up a bit but like so this is marvel's latest show right off the success i don't know bunny ears of jessica jones and like their first foray into the television universe which is uh agents of shield so luke cage um there's also dead marvel's daredevil and marvel's then marvel's daredevil i don't consider daredevil separate from that not really it's actually in the same i mean the, the whole defenders thing that they're gonna try to attempt soon right their own yeah. major crossover they call amalgamate all the superheroes amalgamation of all the heroes together but to me daredevil felt like a step away from the problems of agents of shield agents of shield really felt like you were watching i don't know uh law and order <laughs> it was guys in suits or guys just doing guy stuff i mean actually i thought daredevil was more or less a law and order bit because it's an actual lawyer trying to 
have get clients true Foggy Nelson. but he fought fights ninjas and hands down best second season ever when they finally brought in the Punisher oh god the Punisher that Punisher is top tier starring that dude from Walking Dead and from Wolf of Wall Street yeah that guy can't remember his name but Punisher spin-off series is gonna happen and I'm really looking forward to that but I digress I wanna talk about Luke Cage a bit Power Man that's what they call him right (laughs) back in the day uh, hero for hire yo there was a moment I think you remember when he escaped that facility and then they put him in the old Power Man suit the tiara and the (laughs) oh that was cool man like when he, when he stole his clothes from some neighborhood somewhere it's like damn I look stupid can you take this shit out you look like a damn fool you know <laughs> yeah. but okay I mean in, in that in that particular voice you know like all big tough guys but Luke Cage I mean I think there's another problem I have with a lot of the modernized versions of these superheroes I mean these are all B tier superheroes I mean Luke Cage sad to say not on the same echelon as something like an Iron Man or even a Captain America or even a Daredevil I mean like he was very famous in the comics as basically being somebody who popped up whenever Spider-Man was just like mucking around New York and hey it's Luke Cage and he's actually basically the one half he's he's more known as being one half of the Heroes for Hire group Mm -hmm. together with Iron Fist Danny Rand I mean, who is also going to have a show yep eventually soon okay but okay let's just talk about Luke Cage now Luke Cage made his debut in the Jessica Jones TV show yep. where he played you know a mild-mannered bar owner or something yep, and then yep. Jessica discovers that hey look Luke Cage is also another what, I don't know what they call them a metahuman or uh, what's the the, the, the the correct term huh? uh, superhuman S- special person heroes, I guess special I, people. guys with powers okay and then like I was a big fan of uh, the actor I think, whose name escapes me right now but Luke uh, Cage when he popped up in Jessica Jones I believe Jones, his name is Mike Coulter right was it? It's Mike. Yeah, it should Mike be. Coulter, yeah. Mike Coulter. Mike yeah, Coulter. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, when I saw him in Jessica Jones, I was like thinking, oh, okay, Luke Cage. You know, like, I like the fact that Marvel's kind of like giving some shine to all these, you know, lesser-known heroes and giving a story to it. I mean, for all you know, they. I mean, they, they do give their effort in writing stories and whatnot, making sure they're kind of relevant to the topic at hand. And I think that's also what I would really want to bring up because Luke Cage in himself, right, is uh, as a superhero, he is kind of generic. He's indestructible, he's really strong, and that's about it. He's, he's kind of like that hero of that product, like in the 70s, you know, like that tough jive talking mother. I don't really think so. No, no, no. I mean, Luke Cage. In the 70s, in the old Like the, 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 the classic Power Man? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, like like, like what? Like shows like what Black Dynamite is making fun of, basically. Oh, dude, if you want to watch a, a show about indestructible black guy with black exploitation all over, yeah. Please watch Black Dynamite, the movie and the animated oh, show. The animated series is Hands down. Cast, Dude, that Cosby episode, I giggled my ass <laughs> off. No, but okay, like I said, now, Luke Cage, strangely enough, didn't really work for me. And I've been trying my best to understand why. Because deep down inside, I mean, I'm a nerd at heart. I want to see all these shows succeed. I sat through Luke Cage, and I have to say, like, my general consensus, the entire thing, mm-hmm. was very... Uh, average it felt very much like you know like watching any other TV superhero only without the fun I don't know like I felt that there was a bit of fun in Luke Cage especially when Moments, he beats yeah. the shit out of people and then he says <laughs> some one liners like especially the last fight where he's no not last fight sorry um, there was one where he basically put a guy in a trash can a Turk if I remember oh okay yeah, and then that's it he just says one liner oh the Hope you're there till like 6 p.m. or something. That's what 6 p.m. That's when the garbage collector comes 
it. Mm. It's like those those bits where that happens and then we have the cheesy black exploitation music playing. That's actually kind of fun. But when it comes to the more ham-handed, serious stuff, it's like we're back to this again now. Right? Like yeah, I think you know what I need to really bring up first. I mean, the preface is this, right? Luke Cage came at a time when stuff that's happening in the US right now like the the all the, the black lives matter thing yes yes stuff with Trayvon uh, Martin is that the, the kid's name i believe so so i mean luke cage wearing the hoodie is an obvious reference to things like that yes yes the hoodie thing and the thing is if you can kind of like you know if you're paying attention to basically the rhetoric of uh, how people on the other side of the globe are reviewing this right the one thing that will constantly be brought up is the whole um, here we have an unapologetic bulletproof black man which is the hero that like black kids or like you know yeah, America doing needs good right and now. fighting the power and all that exactly you know and then it's like here's the thing all the way here in Asia we really can't relate to any of that can we? not really We want, the only thing we want to see is, is this is an entertaining show in that time period which is what I'm really looking for I mean like I'm aware of how culturally significant or important a character like Luke Cage yeah more or, power to you if you like it because or, of those aspects I mean if yeah I mean but I could never ever understand like you know the fear or the, the the mindset of like the young black man living in America right now who's afraid of cops afraid of guns mm-hmm. no because we don't have that problem here so it's like I think what I want to really get at is this right I cannot attach myself to things that has been marketed to them so I'm trying to find stuff within this show that I can attach myself to that I can relate to and probably you know try to discover and help me appreciate the show more but you also gotta remember even with those what you mentioned those points you mm. still need to have a show that can stand in its own merit not exactly, because of some yeah. cultural milestone or some issue political issue that's happening right now I think true I mean like when you have something like this and it's a product of its time or a product of uh, the way a, a certain society is right I mean you date yourself immediately because I mean, I'm imagining like a Star Trek future where we all live in peace and stuff like racism or even gun control is like, you know, something. Alien racism. <laughs> or yeah, stuff. Bring up Star Trek. Stuff we like. This will be stuff like our future generations will be thinking, oh wow, look at how backwards people were back then. Mm-hmm. You know? And then like a show like Luke Cage would be something more like a novelty, like, oh look, here's a show that features racism. Remember how humans used to be racist to each other and stuff like that? So it's like, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I do like myself some urban gritty kind of like you know close to the chest very uh, socio-political like uh, driven shows okay but the thing is when we push all that aside and we just base Luke Cage as a character who is a superhero on the ground level he can't fly he's basically the street level superhero he does uh, he's the neighborhood watch compared to the Avengers who are basically the military or the police okay so Luke Cage as a character not interesting is he? not that interesting and, I, and the thing is I'm not blaming the actor or the writers but I'm just blaming I, I don't even want to say blame I would just say like this is them trying to start something with this character and the one problem that came first I mean there's a few problems this show has but the, the one of the flaws that kind of like um, it kind of affects a lot of Marvel products mm-hmm. is a lack of a solid villain or antagonist for your main character now the f- I'm gonna try and do this <coughs> as spoiler free as possible but at this point we might 
have this discussion kind of veer into spoilery okay, territory. Yeah. I so, think that's one way we can frame it. Okay, for the first few episodes, you had this guy uh, named Cornell Stokes coming up. We AKA got, we got Cotton, Cotton Mouth. Cotton Mouth, because it's an easy is, name to remember. And basically, he is a mainstay villain in the Luke Cage comic books. He okay in in the series itself, he seems to be like that guy who's going to be a major player throughout that and throughout the end of the show. Yeah. Now I, I I got that vibe anyway. The way he speaks, the way he brings up a notorious B.I.G. Like that guy plays a piano just to relax after fucking his horse and all that. I get that vibe. And then he's got this thing with his cousin, you know, that whole oh we gotta Black keep Mariah. this Black Mariah, where he's kind of keeping this alive because of the family business, the family trade. Mama Mabel and the yeah, whole history yeah. and legacy of that. Yeah. And then you got this other guy coming who takes up the entire show. Um, another guy Diamond named Bank. Uh, Diamondback. Yes. yes. Yeah. You see the snake references. So this there. show, the snake references, but like okay, this show. Has now two, now two now villains. Yeah, yeah. Now not to say that Diamondback was a bad villain per se, but he you could say he went he went the comic book villain approach later on. Oh man, especially. yeah. I mean, like yeah. I guess okay. What I was looking for was somebody formidable. Now when I saw the uh, Cotton Mouth, right, I kind of liked the fact that they were kind of uh, directing it towards. How Superman and Lex Luthor will react to each other? Yeah, like Where, brains versus bronze, you know that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, like on. you know, like he has. There's not. He's not like a genius mobster, per se, but he is more like a person who has total control, all the options, and probably can put Luke Cage in his place. And I like the actor who played Cottonmouth. Oh yeah, he was in uh, House of Cards. He was as Remy. He was pretty awesome. Dude, yeah, he, he, he acts His well. tone, his voice, his posture. I mean, and then when he does that. Break out laugh. It's like okay, I kind of buy that. He's kind of psychotic <laughs> in that sense. Like, <laughs> like, he, like his yeah, like I mean, evil Doctor Hibbert in a way. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but then of course, uh, complimenting him would be uh, his cousin Mariah, mm-hmm. played perfectly by Effie Woodard. You know, I'm a fan. I love her work. Yeah, you remember her from uh, what's that? First Contact, probably. First Contact, yes. <laughs> yes, I'm a Star, Star Trek. Trek. Star Trek, First Contact. Please listen to uh, Into Darkness Was Better, our so-called Star Trek episode. So but, they but they work together in tandem. That's pretty awesome, right? Yep, in that sense, kind of like I mean, chemistry. I felt like it was watching like a good Batman story where it's like the Joker and the Penguin would team up, and then here we have Batman who is like definitely physically more capable and. Definitely, they have to like these two had to kind of outwit or outsmart or outpoliticize their way around Luke Cage situation, yeah. and I loved it a lot. But here's the thing: they slipped it. Yeah, they slipped. Things it. ended too early for Mr. Cottonmouth. Like, okay, warning, spoilers, starting now. They kill him off way too early. Way too early. He I kinda was want to a do- very yeah. interesting villain, and when he was approaching that pinnacle, where okay, now the stakes are. Up and then this guy is gonna definitely. I was really hoping to see how he would use his brains because of his lack of ability to take Luke Cage on one on one, and this is when they were introducing the whole uh, MacGuffin, the Essex Machina, the the Judah Bullet, which would take him out, right? And yeah, then, yeah. And it's like, okay, these things are getting interesting. <laughs> then he gets killed off by Black Mariah, mm. and I felt like, oh, okay. That was a bit too soon. And then Diamondback comes in. He's sort of competent. He and then, slithers in really. Yeah. And yeah. then he just became like a typical comic book kind of villain with the outfit and everything, and oh god, it could have been so much better. Plus honestly. the whole cliche, I'm actually your brother, you know. So it's brother versus brother, which we can't like literally really blood see, brother, yeah. not just brother as in a black guy calling another black guy brother. But yeah, but I mean, Diamondback had 
some potential, but the thing is, he wasn't set up. And the thing is, I had invested all my interest in somebody like Cottonmouth. And he gets taken out, probably either due to contract obligations or whatever. I mean, the way that Can happened... Can you get paid more than in House of Cards? Yeah, it <laughs> felt very abrupt for some reason. And I do like the fact that he has, like, you know, clear Harlem roots, you know. I mean, like, he looks like a person who was raised and who lived in that area. Yeah. And Luke Cage really felt like the outsider. I mean, I would say there was, like, some references to, like, Kurosawa's, like, Yojimbo, where here comes the lone hero from another town entering this town, and now he's going to clean up the town. Mm-hmm. And I like that at first, you know, and then you got Sassy Black Cop who's going to be helping him, who he sleeps with. In the first episode, because yeah. he's such a stud, because basically, you gotta establish that, dude. It's it's a black exploitation. I mean, th- the first few episodes, you know, of course they're gonna have, you know, the, the sexy times. Now, I really do like the cop character, but yeah, she's also got her problems too. I mean, like, like what kind of problems actually? Like, this she, she couldn't. She's like a bit hot tempered, is it? Yeah, the, I kind of get that from her a lot. I mean, I would say that emo. The, the one character flaw they decided to give her that she was emotionally unstable which if you push her against the wall she loses control and becomes a little bit ineffective and I felt like uh, that's kind of cheap but at the same time I mean granted there are people who do react that way but for a character like that especially in a show like this I was really expecting her to be a lot stronger a little bit more you know I felt that she uh, did show her strong point but when she had to break out like especially when Certain characters end up in jail already, and they're gonna get off scot free. Then she starts losing it. True, man. Like it just comes in and out like a mood swing per se. Yeah, and she also suffers from sassy black lady syndrome. And it could be the writers, or it could be the act. I don't think it's the actress. Most of the time, it's just her being like you know, some like lady who you know doesn't take shit from anyone. And uh, but we get to see her in the Misty Knight outfit. Kinda. Yeah, kinda. <laughs> Misty Knight, yo. I like how they're trying to be clever with the references but at the same time they're kind of not the not, they're not acknowledging the fact that you know these people should be in costume right I mean like granted like what you said before when Luke Cage like, reads, like wears the, the classic outfit and then he reacts to it in a very negative way like oh I look so stupid I'm a damn fool and it's like <laughs> Why are you so embarrassed of what your past is? You know what I mean? And then you have characters like, you know, Iron Man who's like, yeah, that's what he looks like. That's what he looked like since, not, not say the first Iron Man, but at least since the 80s, you know, the golden yellow. I remember, so, yeah, yeah. The armor is like basically the same template, everything. Yeah, color I mean, and the sleek style. So I think one of the problems with Luke Cage is that it's on this teetering uh, kind of like, it's trying to balance between being a superhero story and at the same time being a story that is grounded in reality. Hell, even Daredevil, they brought out the costume and it's subjective to terms. Dude, you don't see the, the costume till the end of yeah, the first season. I know, but when the costume <laughs> came out, it was like, okay, I thought it was okay, but at least wearing it in the second season. But you, you know? gotta rock it. That's, that's the thing, you know, there's this very strong vibe of a lot of these superhero shows, especially like Arrow. I actually didn't, um, Daredevil wore like basically the black bandana thingy like start. some balaclava or yeah, yeah. ski mask like, like for com- his uh, like for his uh, flashbacks with sticks I mean he did he did I do uh, listen uh, you gotta own it and that's what I'm trying to say it's like a, a lot of times right because they want to cater to lowest common denominator they want to cater to the people and I do realize that if you see a costume guy in a live action setting 
you know, unless you're Batman or Superman, where it's so ingrained to the pop culture that you can suspend disbelief immediately and like look at it and think to yourself, like, okay, yeah, this is a superhero movie. Yeah, because they own it. They own that look. You have to own the look. But then, like, then all of a sudden, you have shows like Luke Cage or even Jessica Jones, where okay, it's slightly gl- grounded in reality. We can't do like you know racist stuff when there's a guy dressed like that. You can sense it. You can sense the writers trying to figure out a way around these kind of situations. Where okay, you know what? We drop the costume. He just wears a t-shirt and jeans and a hoodie the whole time. That's his look. And it's like, oh, okay. I thought his look has always been just the yellow shirt and the jeans. At least the yellow shirt and yeah. the jeans, right? the, especially the very bright yellow shirt in a very dark the, setting. The mustard yellow. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it's a very conflicted character. I agree, but also at the same time, you can sense from the show creators that it's a very conflicted. Uh, show in the sense that they're not really a show which side of the line they want to kind of spend more time in. Now, granted, Luke Cage had some batshit silly and incredible uh, moments too. I mean, let's just bring up like okay, when Miss Rosario Dawson appears playing the nurse, and they had the whole Frankenstein style episode. All oh, right, the when mad scientist using her, when they're using because Luke Cage actually had some bullets in his body. Yeah, they finally scenario. found the Judah bullet, which is the yeah. bullet that could penetrate the so-called bulletproof man. And then they got to dump him into acid, and yeah, that was where like oh, put it in deeper. You did know, you keep not, him inside? You know? Did you not get like young Frankenstein moments? Oh, where I was, got that. I know, got that. We <laughs> don't have enough energy. Oh, oh, it's gonna work. We need to push the power higher. Oh. It, we're losing him! Oh no, we gotta try! It's like, oh, like that episode stuck out like a sore thumb compared to the other shows. I mean, to, to the other episode. <laughs> Yo, rest in peace, Mr. Wilder. You will forever be missed. Yo, we need to do a whole episode about see no evil, hear no evil. Him and Richard Pryor. Oh my god, that god was damn, that was. <laughs> I gotta I, rewatch it again. I dude. miss comedies like that. Okay, okay, but let, let's just stick with Luke Cage, right? I wanna re- really iron out all the flaws before I talk and gush about all the stuff I love about Luke Cage. Okay, so what do you love about it since you brought out the bad? Well, what I love about Luke Cage is that it exists. You know, okay. <laughs> it's nice to know that we live in an age where a character like Luke Cage has a show that is doing well. You know, whether it's for like the reasons of Black Lives Matter or for the reason of like being another uh, part of the Marvel canon or how they're creating like a second universe with the Defenders and all that. I kind of like all those little bits that pop up. Remember when I mentioned like, okay, he sings his one-liners, the background music pops up. When they have, have like a a jazz or an R&B singer popping up in Cottonmouth's club while scenes are happening. I kind of like those bits. Dude, man, yeah. They, 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 they transition pretty alright. When they had the well. episode with the Delphonics, I was like, wow! Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's them! No, but yo, my favourite episode, and I think like this is probably the most unapologetic one, and dude, when he put on the hoodie and he attacked Black Mariah's so-called fortress with nothing but just a car door and oh, Wu-Tang's man. Bring the Ruckus kicks in yep. yo I got so amped for that you know like he was just taking out fools bullets were bouncing off him with just a car door just walking in and like <coughs> being Luke Cage yeah. and like yo I wanted more of that oh and there was this bit where he actually saved Method Man from <laughs> like, a, like a gun robber yeah. Yo, I love the The exchange Yeah, the exchange had. was funny yeah. where it was basically, You were next up uh, I know where to get Way ahead of you no, it's, like, no. it's you Nah, man It's you <laughs> It's like So like It's those little bits That actually make this show so Good it, It's nice to know yeah. That this is a universe Where like I mean, they even name drop stuff Like that Like ASAP Rocky He's from Harlem Like, oh, cool So it's like So These people exist in this universe And then like They even like 
add to it by having Method Man appear on Sway in the morning with Heather B. <laughs> it's like, yo! Yeah, that was, <laughs> they, that, that was like, they kept that going. They kept yeah. that gag going. Because I thought like, oh, hey, here's like that one random cameo. Yeah. And then it turns out he was actually there for a radio show. And right? like, that, that's, that's good continuity right there. Giving love to Luke Cage. And then he, he, did, he dropped a freestyle or like a few bars too. And I was like, oh man, what rhymes with yeah. Cage? Rage? That's how you do a cameo. <laughs> Make sure that they have purpose beyond just one, that one shot, you know? I mean, if, if it actually flows along the story, yeah, sure, go for it. Dude, that moment gave me, like, flashbacks of, remember Meteor Man? Yo, back oh, in the Meteor day. Man! Oh my <laughs> god, holy shit. And then, like, back then, like, you had, I mean, speaking of Bill Cosby, but you had all these uh, legendary black actors, like Sidney Poitier was in it, James Earl Jones was in it, and then you had, you know, the you had the gangsters, you had the hip hop guys like Cypress Hill was in it, Be oh, Real was wow. in it. This was a 90s, very mid 90s, late 90s. Yo, Big Daddy Kane was the villain. Oh Yo, God. <laughs> that's awesome. So I was like, I would say you have to understand. Like I was kind of coming into Luke Cage with these kind of expectations, where it's like maybe instead of like kind of highlighting like, oh, this is the problems that black people have. I wanted them to celebrate what black culture was today. So when they had that Method Man episode, when he just popped out, you know, it was like, okay, cool. I want more of this. I want to see like, you know, these people in a positive light, celebrating life and just being a community, working together. I felt there wasn't actually much of that. There was like exactly. these, these things that we discussed in the episode, that's like bits and pieces from all the 13 episodes. They, it's not the entirety of it all. I felt that you could have used a bit of more of that. You know, like, okay, yo, you've got the Method Man cameo, right? I'm looking forward to the next one where it's like, yo, it's the it, the Will Smith cameo. I mean, Will Smith is not tied to any Marvel product as of now, right? Not that I know of. Because no. he's DC, yo. <laughs> he, oh, he's oh, basically man. Deadshot, right? Officially. Or maybe, I mean, even, even if not, I would love to see the episode where freaking like Kevin Hart appears all of a sudden. Hey, you Luke Cage! Oh, you that little nigger. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not supposed to say that outside television. <laughs> It's alright, the chocolate drop, man. Keep it real, brother. So like, uh, I mean, Luke Cage is, I would say, competent. I mean, as a show that spans thirteen episodes, it has highs and lows. But if you average it out, you know, it's pretty entertaining. So we're looking at a six out of ten. I would say it's a strong, yeah, definitely a six out of ten. Because I tried to rewatch it to give it a second chance or to like really pay attention to things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like I kept finding more flaws. Like, okay, you brought up Diamondback, right? Yes. Now, Diamondback, okay, spoilers, right? Basically, he, when they take out Cottonmouth, Diamondback slithers and slides in as the new uh, antagonist du jour. With probably the lamest sidekick ever. What, what was that? Shades. Uh, shades? That, yeah, 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 yeah. The white guy with the shades, yes. I mean, like, what does he do? <laughs> He's just there trying to look cool. And then he's trying to take over the company. He's trying to take over that that monster. He's he's helping Black Mariah out, creating a totally unnecessary subplot. And then he becomes the reason why the show doesn't button up at the end because he kills off the witness. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, oh, Candace is dead. Oh, it's Shades. And then, oh, our entire investigation has fallen apart. Uh, Black Mariah was free. And it's like, okay, Shades is such a a non character. Yeah, he wreck, wreck, make, make wrench wrench plans. That's it. I would Not say so he is there as a writing device where we can't figure out a way to have the situation extend. Shade shows up and shit happens. Literally, the only time you see him is when things go bad. 
Yeah. He's like a deus ex machina of sorts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even say a deus. He's a scripting tool, a MacGuffin. I mean, MacGuffin. I mean, the character is extremely one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's like some guy who is aware of Luke Cage, knows more about his past, could probably you know jeopardize his whole secret identity. In the yeah, beginning. but that's already been filled up by a guy named Turk, who's always been around since Daredevil. Yeah, and, and Jessica Jones. But he did move back to Hell Kitchen after they took out Tone. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he is also like a one-note character. Yeah, but he appears as like a cameo of sorts in each of the Marvel Netflix universes. Could he be the Watcher instead of Stanley? Well, you know, it could be. <laughs> Maybe Shades is supposed to be that guy from Luke Cage. Which is why you probably might see him later on. But shit, I he's mean, got he's got a he's got a good face, but I think that's it. That's all. That's all I can say. That's good about him. Nah, I think I mean his acting is passable, but yeah, at the same passable. time he's. But I just feel that that you know that bald, menacing white guy who knows that he could be from a KKK clan ball, you know. Right? <laughs> he doesn't he look menacing at he, all. He has that look for me anyway. Dude, I mean, okay, that's another thing I need to bring up. Okay, Luke Cage is in contact with all these people. All of these people, if it wasn't for those Judah Billups, right? They had no way of taking him out. And that's, I would say, would be the biggest problem of its show, mm-hmm. where it's not aware of its own rules. Like, take for example, when uh, Cage and Misty were stuck in that basement during that one episode where she got shot and they were trying to, like, break out. And then they're like, oh, we can't leave, you know, we're trapped here. And it's like, dude, you're fucking Luke Cage! Just punch through the wall! Or even, like... I think to argue, um, wouldn't destroying the other side of the wall, they might, they might cave in or something? Maybe. Or other parts. He survived a freaking bazooka. I think it's but but it's for the victim, not him. He'll survive it. He, but I don't think I don't think Misty might survive. Exactly. Then is the thing because then you're also as an audience member, you're kind of like going back and forth between reality and non-reality. Because then in your, your head, you're thinking, okay, you're a superhero. Why don't you super your hero your way out of this? And then at the same time, oh, but then we're still kind of grounded in reality. So yeah. And then, like, okay, even super spoilers was that final boss battle between him and Diamondback. Oh, when Diamondback was wearing that outfit that was so Which looks mimicking. so ridiculous, I man. Know, it was actually trying to mimic the He's... costume from the what? comics. Yeah, but, he... but it still looked pretty stupid. He looked like he was wearing hockey pads or something. A black guy covered I think, I think in that hockey... thing on his chest is supposed to be the snake like <laughs> from the, the belly side, but it still looks stupid. No, but okay, the thing is, right. What would actually be cool if they actually wore a helmet with fangs? That might be pretty. <laughs> Really cool. Yo, like Cobra Commander from yeah. the movie. No, Cobra. Or Serpentor. Oh man, Cobra la 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 la. That guy? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> no, but seriously, like Diamondback was supposed to overtake Cottonmouth as the new villain du jour, or like, we're gonna cap off the season. He fights against his greatest rev- rival, which is also his brother, which created this whole side story about the him. The whole Cain and Abel thing going on. Yeah, and then like how he's like, oh, I need to discover more of myself. Then there's that episode where he traverses back to Georgia yep. you know to meet his to see the, the church this is where my me, me and him were raised and like oh here's the backstory backstory exposition exposition so that when we actually do fight there's some emotional context so okay they kind of did a good job with the emotional context so all of a sudden we have the, the throwdown of throwdowns and it kind of happens in such a goofy way because he actually literally punches through the barbershop window he's like I'm here sucker <laughs> it's like oh hey this is like this is actually <laughs> trying to go back to the whole black exploitation this is how the show here. ends right and it, it literally ends with a street fight of Luke Cage and Diamondback and people cheering at the in the lines. middle of the street and then they form a crowd like some Bollywood movie and everybody starts chanting you know Cage Cage I think this is more like a rap battle than a Bollywood yeah game. that's what it feels like you know this is like the things you see on YouTube <laughs> 
this is actually so we're supposed to take this seriously. I was kind of half expecting like super hot fire and his crew to be in the corner. I was expecting Radio <laughs> Rahim to pop up and bring out the beats, you know, the giant radio, oh, man. FM shit oh, with cassettes. Then we have like probably one of the lamest fights ever because it's literally people exchanging punches and like oh cage you you could never beat me i was too fast for you sucker and then like luke cage was kind of punch him in the mouth bitch exactly (laughs) yo fuck look at that suit (laughs) like okay he's he's got a power suit on he's equally as strong as you but i'm pretty sure if you smash him against the ground his bones will break like a normal person i i don't know how exactly the math or the science of that suit is or whether it's got magic powers i mean that's the thing it's a show that is kind of grounded in reality but at the same time trying to be a superhero show and i appreciate the fact they tried they tried to end the show as like you know here's the big superhero battle here is your your costume villain versus your kind of costume hero and then it's like you see that it's just like watching a wrestling match when like okay you want the good guy to win the wrestling. good guy the good, the good guy you know he, he's he's beaten down for a while he finds his inner strength he gets his second win you know he knocks the he knocks the guy out and like, yay everybody's happy and at the end of all that, I still felt so unsatisfied. You, I think you were taking, you were supposed to root for it when in fact that you, you look at certain plot holes like, why couldn't Luke Cage actually punch the back of the suit? Because I remember his back was turned quite a number of times. Once or twice, maybe? Yeah. Let me watch that fight again, but yeah, it looked like as if you could have just flipped him around, punched the power generator in the back of the suit as many times, and then you could have been done it over with. I mean, this, or I just mean, punch him in the mouth like I we mean, mentioned. <laughs> I, d- I don't want to repeat myself because the thing is, Luke Cage is one of those shows where I don't know if it's limited by its budget or it's limited by the fact that it's a televised format where it's, it's supposed to be a TV show. And like, yeah, okay, I know you have to kind of wrap things up very in these nice, neat little episodes. But at the same time, you know, like you kind of forget your own logic. Like, you're Luke Cage, superhero your way out of these situations. I mean, he doesn't have the same problems as something like Superman. Where not only can is he indestructible, uh, hits really hard. Okay, he can lasers. He can from his eyes. Ring, he's yeah. got freeze breath. He's X-ray. got. He can fly. Yeah. Fuck, you know, Imba too much, I guess. And then like, then they're struggling to give him like a relevant villain. I mean, okay, that's the thing. It's like Luke Cage as a character is very much suffering from Superman syndrome. He's boring because it's hard to kind of give him those dynamic or those dramatic situations. And it's not quite Superman because he's got this like little dilemmas like should I do this, should yeah, I do that? Yeah, he's basically, you know, instead of being like Superman and going out there and rocking it, which he f- eventually does, he finally accepts the responsibility in the most Marvel way through the death of a father figure, Spider-Man much. Mm. You know, I mean like... And yeah. that was a line that was sort of similar to um, the big... Always! Forward, never Ooh. backwards, dude. And unfortunately, yo, as much as I like this guy, he that was some of the worst crying I've ever seen. No, oh man, that was so bad. Okay, it, can, it, it cannot beat, uh, it cannot beat a Revenge of the Sith at all. No, nothing beats that. No, we can't. True, but it's still, I mean, like, <laughs> when you lose your Morgan Freeman father figure character, but yo, he's replaceable. They found another one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the guy that has to play chess. Next, ep- next episode, another black guy. He takes over, you know, like, oh, what am I gonna do? How and do I? Got a hat too, how do I? Specs how do I dress for a funeral? You know who this is? This is Dapper Dan. Like, oh, <laughs> wow, okay, yeah, interchangeable. Hmm. Way, way to set the standard. I though. did like the Pops character though. Okay, don't get me wrong. You know, I loved the way they created that character and how he was basically instigating Luke Cage to go forth and be, you know, Harlem's hero. And yeah, I also kind of understand that you needed 
the impetus. You needed something to actually. I mean, you they. It's very obvious that they created this character just to have him be killed off to push Luke Cage towards being the the the, the hero that Harlem is like looking for. I mean, literally, that's the Uncle Ben, yeah. you know. So I guess not the Uncle Tom. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wrong, wrong guy. Wrong guy. Whoops. Anyway, <laughs> to to wrap all of this up, at least. You like the show, but wish it could have been better. There's a lot of room for improvement. I mean, <laughs> so much room. You could probably do more in the second season, but I guess if you don't, you, you all I gotta say is this right. What will probably make the second season a lot more interesting is like what they did with in the, on the DC side. Yeah, with like Legends of uh, what's it called? Legends of Tomorrow. Legends of Tomorrow, and even Supergirl they, for the Flash. Or, oh no, sorry, uh, Flash for Supergirl. Yo. Just rock it, own it. Like Flash versus like Gorilla Grog or like Shark King. Uh, uh, King Shark. Oh my yeah, she brought in some guys. Dude, King Shark on TV. <laughs> yeah. You don't see that that often, right? Exactly, unless it's animated. But here you go. Like that's what Marvel needs to do. It's so strange because the parables and the paradigm is basically DC's movies are so morose and. Trying to be like, oh, we're grounded in reality. Whereas you see the TV series, it's like cartoony fun. as fuck and fun, and they they don't take themselves too seriously. Yeah, and right now I think season three of Flash is out and it's getting better. I I it's good shit, you know? love what DC is doing with the TV shows. I mean, I don't give a fuck what happens with Justice League. I'll have to watch it. Yeah, I know. We finally get to see uh, uh what's that? Wally West as the Flash in the third season. Oh man! But I'm gonna say I'm not gonna say more than that. Dude, like when the Earth the, the second Earth Earth two review. Earth two, Earth two, Earth two. Yo, I was like, okay, this is Earth two. It's like, man, look look at them just go for it. Yeah, yeah. So and like and then you, on the other side. Marvel, like their movies are colorful and explosive and comic booky and I mean, granted they have serious moments. Yeah, know? but it's all but all the splash of all the colorful, fantastical it's, action. Yes, it's done in a fun way that you know kids can go and watch. And then you see the TV Netflix edition of Marvel shows. So like, if you want something that's grounded in reality, it will work for characters like Daredevil. It will definitely work with characters like the Punisher because they are written in such universes. They're supposed to be the noir type stories that yeah, cater to the Marvel. It's universe. a little bit dark. It's a little bit. Uh, Power Man, not so much. I no. really no, dude. My man, my. my I, I mentioned Meteor Man. I also mentioned Black Dynamite. I was kind of hoping for that. I was expecting yeah, Black Dynamite too when black I watched Dynamite. Luke Cage. I mean, you have to be a black guy who is indestructible. Just be indestructible. Yeah, just maybe slightly more, slightly serious, but not too serious. You know, I want. I mean, don't don't go silly, don't go goofy. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, have fun with that character. Yeah. I mean, I guess I do realize that, as I said very early on in the segment, is like. Luke Cage is kind of trapped within the whole Black Lives Matter and the Trayvon Martin and what's going on with society in America for for, for black people. But uh, this, but then but just to, just to sum it up, now that you've got that out of the way, let's have fun with this character. I want to see Luke Cage be Luke Cage yeah. and the Luke Cage I recognize in the comics. Hopefully, we get that in the season two. Oh Hopefully. man, I want this to happen. Yeah. You know what I like to see? Um, him fighting against an actual villain called the White Man. <laughs> no, no, there is a villain called I know the White who you're yes. talking about. It was in the Deadpool, Deadpool issue. Luke Cage versus the White Man. Yo, yes. the SEO and the hashtags, man, I can see that coming. My God. If he teams up with uh, Iron Fist, all the better. And if Deadpool can make it a sort of cameo, which he probably won't, oh, I mean, all the better too. Iron Fist, aka the Whitewasher. Yes. <laughs>
that we're, we're, we're gonna have a whole episode about how our Asian culture is being you know misused by white people yeah. <laughs> but okay in a nutshell Luke Cage very strong 6.10 could have been better has has its moments granted I'm not gonna highly recommend it but if you're on one of those weekends where you need to binge something sit through 13 episodes you'll probably find something you enjoy and you know if that turns you on to the Marvel thing or like you know makes you check out Jessica Jones Daredevil dude just watch Daredevil 2 if, if you need to just see one Marvel TV show I mean Angels of Seal I kind of give up on that so yeah Luke Cage mildly recommended alright so that's it for our show if you want to check out more you can check us out on iTunes and on SoundCloud don't forget to check out our website at thelastking.net and with that we're signing out Bye.